everyone. Welcome to Should I Just Quit My Job? It's me, Maricela Herrera. I'm your host, and I'm very happy you're here with me. This is a very special episode. In fact, it's so special that it's a two-parter. The first two-parter I've ever made. My guest and I recorded for more than two hours. So there was no way I could have edited down to one episode. I, there, there really wasn't. So you'll hear part one today, and I'll release the second part of this conversation next week. And why, you ask, did I talk so long with today's guest? Well, because, dear listener, every time I talk to her, we can't, for the life of us, talk for the allotted time. It, really, it used to happen when we worked together, and it still happens now. Like, we actually did talk for hours every single day for more than eight years. And that's because my guest today is Christy Wallace. She's the former CEO of Elevate Network. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Christy and I worked together for years and years and years. For many of those years, he was leading the company we both worked at. And I was her person. I was the second in command. I've, I've said this before to many people when they ask me about COO roles and what you know, a COO life is like. I've always thought that a COO job really is in complete dependence to who the CEO is. And depending on what, you know, skills the CEO brings to the table, then you will need certain skills from the COO. So, I was a good COO because I was a good COO for Christy as a CEO. I don't know if I would have been a good COO for someone else. Maybe, possibly, very likely. But I know for a fact I was good when working with Christy. We complemented each other very well. We, we were very similar in many ways, but very different in many other ways. And that's why it worked. We were a team, and we were great working with the rest of our team within the company as well. Ah, I really miss all those peeps. I really do. Christy left her job as CEO of Elevate in 2022. so a couple of years ago. I said this in a very recent episode for the first time, but I was planning to leave when Christy left. It's very confusing, and we get into it um, here in the episodes, so I'm not going to try and explain it. But basically, Christy left, and I ended up staying in the company and stepping up into her role as the CEO when she left. That's the big job I quit. That's the job that led to this podcast. That is the job that I... That is the last job I had at Elevate after, you know, 10 years of being there in different capacities, most of them as COO. It is the job that leaving shook my identity and led to me going on this journey that I am with you. 
So in a way, Christie's quitting story is one that's incredibly influential to my own story. Not just because we work together, not just because we're friends, not just because all of the decisions I made, whether to leave, whether to stay, whether to take the CEO role, I actually asked her. I mean, I discussed all of these things with her, just as she discussed a lot of these things with me before she ended up leaving. This episode may surprise some people. I think everyone who knows us knows that we're still friends, that we were always close, that we work together so well and still support each other. But I don't know that anyone would expect us to talk so openly and in a public setting about our experiences working together and then leaving the same job. It's not that there's anything bad. We love that team. We love that company. We love, love, love the work we did. We were so incredibly passionate about it. This is a little bit of a reunion episode, so no surprise. We both teared up at different points, and it's honest. It's vulnerable. It's un- it's just everything I didn't know I needed. This first part covers a lot of Christie's career journey pre-us working together, so she had a few jobs that she also quit, and we go into them, and and all of them in pretty intense industries, so finance, then in the startup world, in the tech world. And there's, I think, a lot about Christie's career progression that is relevant for so many of us, but particularly if you're a woman who has kids and are a type A personality and know that you have been fed, you can have it all, but know that that's bullshit. So in this first episode, we talk about her career journey pre-us working together, and we also talk about when she first joined the Elevate team. I was already there, and spoiler alert, it was not good. (laughs) And we talk about surviving through COVID. The next episode, part two, will cover post-COVID, Christy leaving, me leaving, and how we're both processing life. Mostly, really, in general, these episodes are about friendship. They're about supporting each other through ups and downs. They're about working with wonderful people and about asking for your worth and having the courage to walk away. It's about contemplating your life and where you want to be when you retire. It's about living with the decisions you made and giving yourself some grace. And a lot of it is about letting things go. I really hope you enjoy these episodes as much as I enjoyed working on them. We were always just like saying what we thought and like no offense taken, just like no, okay, feelings. we have different perspectives and opinions and like let's air it out and use that to make it better. But that was because we had so like a level of trust, I think. And, and, and it was a different relationship. We were friends for like eight years, right? Like we worked yeah. together for so long. I am worried about that. Yeah. I mean, that's too like when you think about where you want to go next, it's like, yeah, I want to do work that I'm excited to do. You know, I want to be in a role that is challenging and I grow. But, like, honestly, I just really want to work with good people. 
is been working with really smart, good, genuine, kind people. And maybe that's such like a woman's take on it. Like, I want to work with someone nice, but it's, you don't, I will thrive. I will grow. I will be, I will feel comfortable pushing myself being around people that are like-minded and shared valued and yep. like, you know, and that's where all succeed. And so I know that. And I think the people we work alongside of really matter. I agree. I think that's, it makes or break the whole thing, which is why yeah. I'm so scared about finding a job or even looking for a job. Because I'm, let's be honest, I'm not looking for a job. It's just starting to become yeah. a problem, but. I know. Yeah. You know, like how do you talk to someone about what you want and. I've said this to some other people and they're like, oh, just do like a listening tour. And I'm like, I know. And I've done that before, but it's hard. I mean, maybe I'm in my own head. It's like hard to do a listening tour when at the, you know, and asking people about their jobs and all that stuff. But like when at the end, they're like, what can I do for you? And you're like, I don't know. I haven't even talked. I'm talking to a bunch of people because I'm talking to them for the podcast, but I'm not talking to anyone in a capacity of like what I want to do next because I don't know what I want to do next but anyway thank you for doing this I think this will be this will be a fun one I hate asking the question can you introduce yourself to the audience because I've realized how fucking hard that is so I've turned to what are a couple of things that make you happy and that you'd like our audience to know about you long walks on the beach and the margarita <laughs> pina coladas and <laughs> making love at midnight um <laughs> no um i don't know i mean community makes me happy you know my friends my you know colleagues or ex-colleagues my family i mean i um similar to you like we value relationships a lot and it's sustained me through all the ups and downs of my life and certainly yeah that makes me happy i love learning things like intellectually I need to be stimulated I want to learn I want to like push myself I want to have like, interesting conversations with people and I I like so this is gonna be weird and I'm surprised at myself that I'm even saying it but I I like succeeding of course you do think it's so shallow but it's like I just like I'm 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 oldest child type A all of that stuff, um, and I think like there's this aspect of like I just want to be the best at everything. I want to succeed. I want to check the boxes, and so that's great. But it's also not great when <laughs> when you're not checking those boxes. But we we learn from failure, right? You fail forward. That's what we say. I love the fail forward. I haven't heard that in a long time. I should put it on my wall. Of course you like succeeding. And I think not a lot of people admit that or say that out loud, especially women, right? Like we all love succeeding. It's normal. Of course it sucks to fail. I mean, in life, it's something that drives us, right? And and success is defined however you want to define it. That is the you other part. it. You know, I don't know, um, cooking dinner tonight, or I want to succeed at building this friendship, or I want to succeed at, you know, doing my job or a goal that I've set out to do. And um, 
And like, I think this will be top of mind for a lot of the listeners right now, like given the time of year, because we're oftentimes thinking about like, what is my goal? What do I want to succeed at? And if you're anything like me, you set a lot of lofty goals and you don't meet them. And then you think of yourself as a failure. And we had talked about this, Marcelle, you and I, like a year or two ago around them. You can set that like big, hairy, audacious goal for yourself, but the bag, bag. <laughs> I'm going to pull in all kinds of historical references for you. Um, but it's it's like with anything, you like what are the tiny steps you need to take every day to like eventually get there, right? Cuz you're not going to you're not going to achieve that huge goal overnight. It has to be like the little steps, the like building up to it, the making it part of of who you are in your life. And so then when you achieve that goal, when you achieve that success, that's really rewarding, you know, because it's something you worked hard at. It's something that's a testament to your skills or to your drive to whatever. And so, yeah. Do you feel, because I feel like I've struggled with this or I struggle with this generally, which is also when you're working towards something in those little steps. Yes, it feels really good once you get there. But do you ever feel once you get there, then the existential dread of now what mm -hmm. it, well it's like now what and it's also why did I work so hard for this it's not what I thought it was right and yeah, that is and that's you know I think particularly being a woman in the workforce we're told I mean you're just spoon-fed like this is what success looks like this you want to be a thought leader you should write a book you should be on a board you should and like everyone's like here's what you should do right and but beyond the workplace people are like you should get married you should have kids you should I mean like everyone's telling you what you should do and the thing is like it's easy to to listen and say okay okay you know and then and not question like why am I doing this and so then you work really hard to achieve those goals and what you do it's either like okay, great, like I am, you know, a thought leader in some respect. And so now what? Like, do I just keep doing this? All the, you know, is this just sustain this? Like, I don't know. Or like for me in part, it was like, okay, I did this, but I'm not really getting anything out of it. You know, like this is, I'm putting, I'm traveling and I'm like out there doing all this stuff, but the spaces where I feel most engaged, where I feel the most rewarded isn't like on some stage, right? It's in a room with smart people and having a real conversation that is pushing, you know, the narrative forward. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, have to really think about that. Um, like, why do we say yes to things, Maricela? Like, I say yes to everything. Um, or why do we listen when society tells us what success looks like and not define that for ourselves? It's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to understand that, to let it, to say it, and, and the boundaries, like you said, you know, saying yes to everything. I'm still, I'm still, I can always be your no coach, but it's, they know. <laughs> There's a lot of, of it, there's a lot of work in actually putting those boundaries up. I mean, we were just talking about my boundaries with like um, improv, and it took a lot of work to be like, this isn't serving me. Mm -hmm. And that's a, something so stupid when it's something as big as a job that you're doing every day. That's stupid though. Like you, 
you know, you took a risk. You wanted to try something new that, you know, would help. Improv is, is great for many things. And, like, it's creative. You're part of, like, a team. You're, you know, pushing your comfort zone. It's, like, any type of public speaking, one-on-one. It's, like, that's what it's about. But if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you. You know? I mean, it's the same... I read all these articles about how every big business leader reads, you know, a business book, one uh, one business book a week, or they hide away in a cabin for a month and read 200 business books. And it was like all about reading the business books. And I just don't like it. Like I love reading, but reading for me is, is fiction and crappy fiction and enjoyable. And um, I tried really hard and then I kept being mad at myself, like because I was letting myself down every time I finish mm-hmm. a book or every time I looked at a nonfiction book or a fiction book over a nonfiction book and I just had to be like that's not the way you succeed Christy like that's the way other people do and that works for them and there's not one way to do it right I tried and realized like it's just not my thing and it's the same with you like you tried And then you realized it yeah. didn't work, and now you have a better idea of what to try next time because you have some like foundational knowledge to then make more informed decisions. I miss you. <laughs> so let's talk about about quitting. Let's do pre us working together first. I've always thought it was interesting because you did so many things. Like right, you were in you were in finance very very early yeah. in your career, and then went more on the entrepreneurship route. Mm-hmm. But then, and I think that's really interesting how at some point you also left that and took a break. Where do you want to start? I mean, there's been a couple couple jobs I've left, but um, the two big ones before before the most recent. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, in part, I quit because I, I, there was no way for me to move forward if I didn't leave that space. And not necessarily they were toxic or terrible spaces, but our careers can be all-consuming. And Mm -hmm. to make the mental and emotional and time space to figure out the next thing or, you know, move forward. And you you almost need to step away if you can. I mean, oftentimes we're not, that's not economically viable solution. But if you can, like stepping away gives you kind of an perspective it's like stepping out of the box and seeing it from the outside and being like okay what's inside this box what worked what didn't work um but the first time I left was I was working for a startup and a startup that eventually did exit and I built our entire b2b enterprise team which was our our main revenue driver um when our company was purchased or acquired and I was on the senior leadership team I was managing a ton of people, and I um, was pregnant. And so I did not tell anyone I was pregnant until I was five months along because I was so worried about, I don't know. I mean, at the time, like, they wouldn't have fired me, but, like, I was just, I don't know. I was, like, so worried about, I was the only woman, like, on the senior leadership team. I was pretty young. I was 30, and I felt like my age and my gender and all those things always were in the room with me. You know, it was always, like, part of it. Actually, really curly hair like you, and I started wearing my hair straight because the curls made me look younger. And I was, like, trying so hard to to look mature. Anyway, uh, so... 
And 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 to be fair, honestly, there's so much research if you go about about it about the fact that uh, curly hair. <laughs> It's just like weight. Curly hair and weight do not go well with uh, salaries and, and roles. So messed up. That's so messed up. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so after the company was acquired, I was asked to build our global business, which is really exciting and exciting opportunity and uh, building the business in Europe and Asia. And that meant like a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings, calls all the time. I was sleeping like crap. I was in the office. I, I mean, I literally was working seven days a week, 12 hour days. And here I am pregnant, and I'm like, I don't know how this is going to be possible. Like, I don't know. I'd been at this job, you know, eight, nine years, and it was like, I've put 100% of myself into this job. Like, my identity is tied to this job. I would say... It was neck and neck in terms of priority with like my husband and my friends. And oftentimes I would prioritize it over those people. And then it was like, how do I scale back? You know, how do I work normal hours, like nine to five, five days a week? You know, how, what type of leader will I be if I cannot do all these things? And I took on way too much, um, didn't say no to things. And that was really overwhelming and stressful for me that I, uh, just couldn't see how I could be a good parent and a good professional in the environment in which I'd, I had and others had created for myself. So I left the company and it was, it was so hard. It was so incredibly hard because my identity and my self-worth and everything was tied with that company and that title and that work that I did. And suddenly I was like, I'm nobody. Like, what am I? Right? I'm home taking care of a newborn who, like, I can't even do this right. And I'm left my legacy, like, all this work I've done. I've walked away. Yeah, you were part of a very early team. Like, it was a company you were building, too. Yeah. Did you ever think of yourself of, like, now I'm going to be a mom? No. Oh, and we can get into it. I mean, I'm still struggle with it right now. I love my kids. I love being a present parent and all that, but there's and and there's no like there's there's zero commentary here on anyone right. else's life choices. Um for me the career, the growth the challenge, the like intellectual, you know, development and all that, mm -hmm. like that drives me. And that's, yeah. you know, I can be a caregiver and I can love every minute of that. But like for me, like I need that, that professional um, yeah. piece of it. And so it was like, I lost half of myself. Right. Um, and, yeah. and I like, I, yeah, like I said, I struggled with it a lot. And I didn't know because I had spent, you know, nine years at this company. I was like, where do I go from here? Like, what's next? I don't know. And um, so that was that was really hard. Um, fortunately, we did do a lot of traveling during that time. We were really fortunate to be able to do that. And I think that put things in perspective a bit, just kind of, again, like stepping out of the box and moving away from places. And then I joined 
founding team of a startup. So again, like building something from day one. And that was great too. Like I was doing things, I was like a COO role and doing a lot of the business operations, the financial modeling, the cap table, investor presentations, like you name it. And and I really enjoyed it until again, like I didn't. And like while I was there, I had my second kid um, and also startup culture, like crazy hours, the whole thing. But here I felt, you know, whereas in my first company, I was fully into the like, you have 100% of me here in this company and i was working with similar some of the same people um from before you don't have 100 percent of me but that's what they had like come to expect so i was like well, why aren't you staying late well why aren't you like all oh and you know and it was like oh the important meetings are happening at 10 o'clock at night can you just commit to staying late one night a week and like I, this is a startup i'm not getting paid much and i'm paying someone to watch my kids you know and i want to be home with my kids and so it, it that felt like again like it was um a tug of war you know because i love the work and yeah part of me wanted to stay late and be in those meetings and do all that stuff and then part of me was like i need to set boundaries and i don't want to become all consumed by this job like i was before and lose myself and lose my connection to you know the people i love so I ended up leaving that job, but one of the main reasons I left, to be honest, um, was just like, it just, the work wasn't exciting to me anymore. You know, like it, uh, I had learned a lot and I really enjoyed it and and the people were great, but like, I just, it wasn't getting me out of bed. Like it wasn't, you know, so you know, sometimes when you're really excited about the work you do and you can't stop thinking about it in your brain, like you're showering and you're walking and you're like, thinking about ideas and it's like always in your subconscious and I think the the problem we were solving just didn't resonate with me on the same level and so I left then and also kind of took like a break but knew immediately I wanted to get into what was next you know the next role and at that point I didn't know right the hardest thing about looking for your next step is you don't know what you don't know so like I'd only ever worked for like tech companies, you know, what was it like to work in CPG or, you know, consulting. Um, I'd always worked for companies of like a certain size and a certain, you know, managed a specific level of P&L. What was it like to go bigger, to be more corporate or to, you know, be in, um, you know, a GM role if I'd never, you know, done that, whatever it was. Like there's all these things I was thinking about, but I needed to validate that. And so I went kind of on a listening tour and I talked to a bunch of different people. It was actually on one of the people that I'd met had said to me like, oh, we're hiring someone for this company, 85 Broads, soon to be named Elevate. And she's like, you should meet with the other owner. And I did. They offered me a job. And it was something I cared about. I was passionate about like what we were doing, the problem we were solving. It was like, yes like I, I this is it um and then I met you yeah you joining the team I was already there for context uh, I had been there for over a year I am extremely grateful for you joining the team and really like honestly I mean you're one of my great friends they did it really shittily <laughs> yeah, you hated me when I started. Well, I didn't even know who you You're were. I was in El Salvador. And they called me and were like, talk to this woman. And they didn't tell me why or anything at all. Well, I'm like, 
Oh. Uh, okay. Number one piece of advice to everyone listening is if you are going to start a job, particularly a smaller company, like, you know, some senior people, the founder, whomever, is like, oh, we met, I like you, let's bring you on, they bring you on, and then every like, you need the buy-in from everyone else. Like, you need to not just date the founder, you know, you can refer to the hiring process as dating, which it kind of is. Um, you gotta, like, date the whole company uh, so that you know, it's... Or just tell people to. Like, yeah. honestly. It is fine. You will get to know each other eventually. But um, understand what's happening. I remember being like, I don't know what is happening. Um, I just know I'm going to go back to New York and something will be different. But I'm not really sure exactly how that's going to be. Like, what that means. Yeah. I actually never asked you this about the, the between the two other roles. Um, did you know, like, when after you left, you know, you were pregnant with Benjamin, you left, had him. Did you know you were going to go, that you wanted to go to another startup after having been in a culture that was so, like, all-consuming? Yes and no, right? I mean, because I had worked in banking, investment banking before, all-consuming. Um, but the reason I left that was because it was just too structured. Like, I felt like yeah. it was hard to kind of, like, really bring any type of innovation or change or ideation to, like, this structured environment. So I went to work for a tech company because, yeah, I was looking for, like, what I did at all, like, build something, grow something, take an idea and make it happen, like scale, you know, that is exciting, right? Getting your hands dirty and kind of, like, I don't think I'll ever thrive in a position where it's like, I come in, I'm supposed to just keep it status quo and maintain. And, and mm -hmm. I know now too, I probably would, I'm not interested in coming into a company that's failing, that I'm trying to like save. Both I can do, but like, they don't fill my cup in the way that coming in when there's an opportunity and taking that and running with it and like doing something amazing like that's exciting you know building something so did i know i want to stay in tech like i knew i wanted to be in a fast-paced industry i knew i wanted to be in a company that um like i had agency and autonomy um in that role that i was excited about you know, pouring my heart and soul into what, what I was going to be doing. But, you know, I also really, I think in the job search process, at least for me, and yes, there's some ego involved here, like working for a brand name, you know, or name, no, right? And so this is the time too, when this is, I don't know, 2013, 2014, when, you know, every resume is like, ex-Google, ex-Uber, ex-Facebook. Oh, yeah. And you know, like everyone is like touting, the brand names on the resume and i'm like not everyone like knows these companies i worked for and still today you know i grapple with kind of like what does growth mean so when you leave one job to go to another like it's growth like you wanna is it a better title is it a bigger team or a bigger PL, bigger company better brand name like what what there's a lot of ways to define it and so back that first transition after Ben, I think what I was really looking for is, yeah, like growth. What does that mean? And I did find that, like, you know, being in a 
more operational role. Um, it was work-life balance because I knew what had happened to me the first time. And I didn't quite find that, but you know, I mean, it wasn't as, it wasn't as bad. And, um, yeah, like that was about all that I knew. So edit, anyway, that was a long way of answering the question. Like there were so many unknowns and, and like, sometimes you just kind of follow the opportunities, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and you never know. And like you said, you were working with some of the same people you were working before. So like you also were going with, you were part of the founding team, but people you knew. So you kind of were going that that route too. And it seems like when you left that, from my understanding from just what you've said and tinted by the fact that I know you for so long, um, you were also looking for purpose at that point. Because you said you by with Vault, you were not, necessarily the problem you were solving wasn't exciting you as much yeah that was at, at zeal actually what zeal is today is really interesting um and where the company's it's changed a lot gone. yeah gone you know at that point in time when i left we we're really focused on on like in-home massage on demand you know and kind of like an uber for in-home massage and there were some great things about what we were doing um you know massages mental health and and you know, physical well-being and all those things. And we were like making it easily accessible and transparent. Uh, There's a whole industry of therapists, you know, who didn't know if they were walking into a safe environment and didn't, you know, know um, how to book with in like grow their business and all of that. So we were, we were solving a problem that I could get behind and all of that. It just wasn't, it like wasn't enough, right? Like I mm -hmm. connected with it, but like not on the level that I wanted to connect with the work I was doing and to feel like I was really creating meaningful change in this world. And so that's like with Elevate, you know, I've been a part of the community. So I saw the value firsthand of like what I got out of it and, you know, some of the lessons and content and people I met. And it was a woman in the workplace who checked all the stereotypical boxes of like I left my job when I had a kid and I, you know, was trying to find something with the good work-life balance. And, but I also want to be wildly successful and I want to grow. And, you know, and it like, I like mirrored, I think a lot of my own internal like turmoil and questions at the time. And I was like, okay, this is the space that I can solve this and, you know, do something good. You also were just having had just had a little girl. Like, I don't know how that, like, also impacts that your family was growing, right? Like, you're more, you needed more probably looking at the work-life balance that you thought you might get but didn't get. And then can you build something that's a little bit more um, functional yeah. for you? And it's a shame. Like, the narrative still exists, right? I mean, I talk, still talk to women all the time. They're like, I'm thinking of having a family soon so I need to find a job that's easier it's like I'm, I need to dumb down my career so that I can do both right and like that's yeah. messed up I know it's mm -hmm. a reality but it's messed up uh like the ongoing sacrifices you know in our career and in our lives like our mental health mm -hmm. like I had hoped things would change more during COVID or you know, I don't know, just progression of time and humanity. And we still live in a society where 
or making those sacrifices. And it's like mm -hmm. either or. And that's, you know, that's a shame. And it's, you know, more yeah. often than not women who are making those sacrifices. And it's just like, how how is it we, we live in a country that wants everyone working and that drives the economy and like women's you know impact on gp and all those things they also want to control your body and they also want to control mm -hmm. your you know livelihood and rights and like all of these things so they're kind of like we want you to have children but then we don't want you to have financial security or professional accomplishment or to follow your dreams or whatever it is like yeah you know it's and it's archaic and i just think i don't know i think as long as the people at the top are not reflective of all of us then you know it's gonna hard, be hard to see change happen and women at the top honestly like you know because i i was a woman at the top too i mean many are fighting to cre like create change but there's also enough who are sort of like i did it like i had kids and i worked you know and did the but i flights to come back to get them to school and i did it i did it, i did it so if i did it why can't you yeah you and i obviously worked in this very specific space and and women at the top and we should help each other out Honestly, the amount of women who also are at the top and are putting other women down is pretty unfortunate, but it's true. Like, there's that mentality of like, but I, like you just said, I did it or like I went through all of this. So now you have, you're paying your dues when it's like, if you went through shitty stuff, why make other people go through shitty stuff instead of making it better? It's like, like the abused becoming the abuser yeah. mentality that it's is, is in in everything and i think and i do think it's a lot of it has to do with trauma and whatever it is but it's pretty bad anyway so you came in to elevate mm -hmm. i was there we had a good run we had a pretty good run and you mentioned covid a lot of things did change through covid mm -hmm. did you start thinking about leaving closer to covid or was it something that you had already had in your mind and I know you still stuck through COVID which was on I was there it was horrible but how did COVID impact kind of where your mind was at yeah I mean I so yeah I, I had been thinking about leaving pre-COVID um for a variety of reasons I mean one was that I had sort of, so Whitney Johnson talks about like the S curve in life and career. And it's kind of like, you start everything, you're starting at the bottom, you're drinking from the fire hose, like working hard to get up there. Then you hit your stride and you're like, oh, I got this. I know what I'm doing. This is great. And then you get to like the top of the S and you're just sort of like, all right, like now what, you know, and I'm, I'm here, what's next? So I had been thinking um, about like what the what's next, like the next challenge, where do I go from here? And also, frankly, been in conversations with the owners about, like, my own worth. And uh, at that point, you know, we had grown the business 10x. We had launched really successful products. We're having a measurable impact. We, you know, had testified in front of Congress. I mean, there was, we were at bang the NASDAQ opening bell. I mean, we were just, like, gangbusters doing 
great stuff. And here, you know, all the things that we tell our community about advocating for yourself and getting your worth. And I was trying to do that for myself and I was hitting a roadblock and then COVID hit. And so, yeah, I mean, COVID was, COVID was hard for many reasons. I mean, first off, they say, you know, being at the top is lonely and it is very lonely, right? It is like people look to you for the answers, you know, if things, and like, maybe this is the way I feel about it, but if things go well, like we all made it go well. If things go bad, you made it go bad. Right. And like, that might not be, that's how I felt. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, there's just, there's a lot on your shoulders. Uh, and it's hard to talk to other people about that too, because there's this aspect of vulnerability which like it only goes so far, right? And you don't want to tell like your other women CEO friends like you're struggling because like you don't want to look weak and you don't want to, you know, like, let down your guard in that way. Um, but uh, COVID hit and a couple things happened. One, for me personally, um, I had three young children. They were in, at the time, uh, kindergarten, first and fifth grades. And my husband, um, who also owns, he owned his own company and they were also struggling during COVID, has a very client-facing role. So he was on call. So then I became the uh, teacher. So I was homeschooling three children, uh, which is really hard, particularly when you have two small children where the teachers are like, well, you just have to teach them in like 20 minute increments. And I'm like, I can't do that because I need them to learn a day's worth of learning in the hour and a half I have before I have to start doing my own Zooms, right? And so that was really hard. And like, I'm not a great teacher and I just felt like such stress and a failure. And, but then at the same time, like my, our entire support structures as a family weren't there anymore. I was wearing a lot of hats and it was a lot of work and a lot of stress. And so then like on top of that, then I think about my team and my role as a CEO and like our team was struggling, like everyone was struggling, you know, and they were struggling with their own personal situations, you know, sheltering in place with kids or sheltering in place alone or being far from family or all these different situations. And how do you show up as a leader for, for your team on a personal level? And it was hard remote. Like I'm pretty introverted. And so when I'm in the office, people could stop at my desk or I would like talk to people in the kitchen or different places, but it's easy to hide on Zoom. And so my team needed me. And, and I think I was there for some people, but not there enough for everybody. But it was hard to know how to be there and to like also take that emotional weight on your on yourself too. Um, but yeah, it was like supporting our team. Um, and they were all dealing with different parts of our business that were struggling. There was a ton of uncertainty in just the world and what was happening. And like that all, we had such a close knit team, like came into every meeting. Like we don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a CEO, you're basically like the Fauci of your business. Like everyone's just looking at you to give them the answers and tell them wear the mask, but don't wear the mask. You know, like how far apart are we supposed to stand? Um, so that was a lot. And then more broadly is our community. So we had 250,000 women who women were disproportionately impacted during COVID. They were losing jobs, mental health, um, concerns, just like I was facing, like trying to do all this stuff, but I've never, you know, but feeling quite alone, um, trying to navigate, you know, 
just the how to be stay present, how to, you know, all of the networking we're told we have to do. And um, there's just a lot happening and like article after article stating, you know, how bad the pandemic was for women, how many women left the workforce, like how many women were leading leadership roles. And it's just felt like so much on my shoulders and every day, like carrying that weight. And so coming through the pandemic, you know, and I was front and center with our community and I, and I hope I was front with mm-hmm. our team and putting everything I had into those relationships, into those conversations. And so then coming through the pandemic, like one thing I realized very quickly is giving so much to my family, to my team, to my community, to my friends, I gave nothing to myself, mm-hmm. nothing. And I was like a shell of myself. I mean, I just, you know, hadn't focused on my mental health, my physical health, like hadn't gone after any of my goals or things I wanted. Um, And that's by nature, it's the nature of how I am in general. Um, I put everyone first, but it didn't serve me at the end of the day. And, And so, yeah, like, I still didn't make progress in my personal negotiations with the business. And I felt like I, you know, but I learned a great deal about the pandemic, about leading a business during the pandemic. Also still felt like I needed growth in my role. And I wasn't going to get that at Elevate without, you know, the capital, the resources, the support that we needed. And I um, really just needed a break for myself. And I needed to take that moment to step away. So I did, and I left, and it was really hard. It was a ton of tears. It was the hardest decision I ever made. I remember I was on the phone with you, like, well, I don't know what to do. And so it was really hard because our team didn't know any of what was going mm-hmm. Like, I just kept it all um, to myself and you and some of the other leadership team. Um, but our broader team didn't know, right? And so when I said I was leaving, I think everyone was like, wait, what? Um, so then I felt really bad about that. Uh, yeah, it was it was tricky. We'll go into when you said you were leaving, because I think that there's there's a lot, but it's I want to say a few things because but it is honestly baffling to me that you stuck it out as long as you did. Not baffling because I know you and I know how you cared about it. And the same with me, I will say, I think it was because of our team for both of us because of that. It was a it was a family. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um so so that was really hard before COVID. And the business had started struggling a little, like, before COVID. Like, by COVID, we were trying to do a big, like, big strategy changes, and then COVID hit, and things were really hard. And then you were dealing with COVID, having your family and all the things you said, and you were talking about the team. And it's true, everyone looks at you whenever, when something goes right, it's everyone, um, Everyone did it. It's a team effort. When things go wrong, it usually will be you. It was usually you and me. And I would feel it like it was me. But I also at least had you. You know, like uh, there was this balance. And then COVID hits. And not only were you standing with all of this, I will say this, and I, I'm pretty open about this. COVID also was, and maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, but you were also dealing with having the second person in the company, which would have been me, basically destroyed. I was in my worst, probably worst depressive episode at that time. So like, you were also kind of flying with even 
less support than you would have normally had. Um, it was really rough, I think, for all of the team to keep it together. Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty surprising that we got through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Part of what I was saying. Um, no, I mean, it, it was really hard. You know, it's... And I think the work that we did was what kept us going every day. Yeah. But it was also, like, what brought us down mm -hmm. doing the work that mattered and knowing why more than ever we needed to keep going i mean we pivoted and we launched a ton of great initiatives that were unique and had engagement and had impact and like i can't tell you how many people were just like you changed my life yeah you kept me afloat you you know were there when i needed you like all of those things and and saying it to me like as an individual but it was the company right and like we yeah. the company or what she needed um she or they you know needed during that time um and it that's meaningful and so when we think about when i think about i should have left before we stayed because without realizing it we were needed and like we were needed yeah. during that time and we needed what we had created internally during that time and we lay off employees and we didn't you know cut salaries we kept it going and we kept evolving the business and changing people's lives and so we were needed and maybe you know it was hard for us to stay but it was it was in service of like a greater purpose. And so I don't regret that. And I don't yeah. hope that experience. I think I got to the point that you were saying where you like had given so much of yourself that you kind of lost yourself. And I felt like that ended up being my case too at the end. I got great things out of it. I mean, great friends, great everything, but it was, it was rough. And I do think we made a difference. I do think we did. So there you have it, folks. That's part one. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and tune in for the second part of this very special episode. Next week, we will talk a lot more about making decisions to leave, letting go, and how you face what's next. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. And share with your friends. I really would love to get more people to listen. And I think these stories matter. So if you think the stories matter, if this podcast has done anything for you or made you feel less alone, help me spread the word. Thanks and see you next time. <laughs>